Ben Shapiro here with a man I have tremendous respect for, my good friend, Attorney Barack Lurie. Barack, you've been practicing law for over 24 years. Do you have some important advice about lawsuits? Well, Ben, the law deals with conflict, right? A good attorney should help ease a lot of your anxieties because he should have perspective and know how to gather his evidence. But his main mission should always be to pursue the path toward quick resolution or settlement. Well, how do you do that? Simply by working to remove the emotion from both sides. Once you gather information and think rationally and compare strengths and weaknesses in a case, you can work on what's fair. The truly great lawyers know how to do that and quickly. You can see, folks, why I so admire Barack Lurie and all the work that he does. For all your business and real estate legal issues, call my friend Barack at 866-575-8111. 866-575-8111. 866-575-8111. Fighting for what's right. Barack Lurie at Lurie & Seltzer. Listen to The Barack Lurie Show, Sundays at 10 a.m. here on AM870, The Answer. This is the Brucklery Podcast. With me, as always, my good friend, producer, Ari David. Always a pleasure. Uh, much to discuss, particularly about the recent uh, National Prayer Breakfast, I think it's called, in Washington, D.C., wherein our president won Barack Hussein Obama. Uh, and I'm not saying Hussein just, just to dig it in the, his, his Muslim name. race. It's his name. That's all it is. Just We're to be, honoring him. Just to be formal. That's all. I mean, had, it, had it been Franklin Roosevelt, I would have said Franklin... Delano Roosevelt, right? Okay. And by the way, not to compare the two. <laughs> but you get the idea. I'm, I'm simply saying his for, full formal name. All right? And that's what it is. But it does deal with the issue of uh, Islam. And what we have discussed many times in the past, which is uh, the president's apparent great affinity for the Islamic faith. And uh, we've given many examples of how that has manifested itself, right? We talked about the speech of the UN in 2012 where he said that the future does not belong to those who slander the prophet of Islam. We've talked about how he said that the recent violence and terrorism that we've faced is is not the product of religion, least of all Islam. <laughs> uh, everything there is a paraphrase except for, that, for, for the part where he said least of all Islam. And, and that's what's so insulting about this. Like, least of all? How about just you can say including Islam? I, I can live with that. But to say least of all Islam, that Islam is the least <laughs> uh, violent of the, among the religions. Really? For real, Mr. President. Look, it's, it's what he wants to be, right? He wants very much to believe that the Islamic faith is pure and that it's wonderful and it's truly a, a, a religion of peace. Um, but he's got to deal with this, the reality of, of a tremendous proportion of the faith engage in extremely violent behavior. And, uh, and if they don't actually themselves engage in it, well, then they support extreme violent behavior. And it's just not, there's no parallel to Christianity or Judaism. It just, it just ain't there, my friend. And he wants it to be there. He wants it to be exactly the same, but it, it just ain't there. And uh, recently, in a different speech, he had mentioned that 99.99% that, uh, that of Muslims uh, want just exactly what you and I want, uh, you know, presumably to raise a family, to send their kids to school, to 
collect a paycheck and to retire, right? Uh, and as Dennis Prager points out, he, where did he get that, that number, 99.99? Where, where, right? I mean, there's not a single bit of information where he could possibly get that from, okay? That 0.01%, uh, are, are, that's it, are the violent ones? You know, if only, <laughs> if only who were that, then we would have a real discussion. But the, but the problem for that is he can talk these numbers all day long, but why isn't the, the, the rest of the so-called 99.99%, why aren't they clamoring to shut down these monsters, to say, don't do it in, in the name of my faith, you, you friggin' monsters. Don't do this. Who are you to hijack my religion? God, gosh darn you. No, in fact, God damn you for doing the things you do my so-called Islamic brothers, right? That's what you would expect the, the, the moderate Muslims to actually speak up about this, but they don't. And they don't for one of two reasons. One, I think, is very understandable. One is that they're afraid. That's understandable. I get it. If I were a moderate Muslim today, whatever that means, okay, we don't even need to get into that. But if I were a moderate Muslim, I'd be very cautious about what I said. Would I, would I speak up in big lectures and say, we need to stand up against these monsters? Uh, we condemn you, ISIS, and all you jackasses out there who behead and do the horrible things that you do in the, in the name of my religion? No, sir. Right? You would expect that. And that's what I would expect, right? Everyone would expect that. Now, the other angle is that they actually believe in this. They actually believe in this, that, this, that they support this. I, I think when I, when I think of the moderate Muslims that I know, the Muslim people that I know, and I, and I know quite a few, I would be surprised that they actually support this kind of monstrous behavior. And I'm thinking a lot about the American Muslims that are, live among us. I, I, I just don't believe that they want to you know, have an opportunity to behead their fellow Americans. I just I don't believe it. That's a possibility. I don't believe it, at least not in America. Okay. I, don't, I can't speak about the rest of the world. I think there's a very moderating uh, force in America that uh, enables Muslims to be much more pacifist about their belief system. Um, so I'm going to stick with the first guiding principle, that the more likely than not, it's because they're afraid. Because if they do speak out, I think they know that they're going to be in a whole lot of trouble. All right? That's why. If, if a Christian went about slaughtering people because they didn't believe that Jesus was the Savior and that he feels compelled by Christ, compelled, you understand, to kill them right now in this very bakery, right? I'm going to kill all of you because you have not accepted Jesus as your Savior, blah, blah, and they start stabbing them one at a time. You can bet pastors and priests and reverends and, and, and everyone would say, that is not us. We condemn it. It's despicable. This is contrary to everything that Jesus would teach. And uh, don't, you, don't, don't any of you think for a moment that this is anything that we subscribe to or support. End of story, right? Likewise with Judaism. Same. In fact, when in, in, uh, in Judaism, many years ago, I'm thinking almost 20 to 25 years ago, I forget his name, Baruch uh, Goldstein, I want to say, um, this monster who decided to go into a mosque and, 
and killed about 20, maybe 40 um, Muslims who were praying. And uh, he was a nut. And I'm very proud to say that the Jewish world all got up and said, this is despicable. We condemn it. We condemn it outright. There is nothing good about this. This is not Jewish. This is horrific. We condemn it completely, without caveat. And, uh, and that's the way it was. But you don't, you're not going to see that in the Muslim world, among the moderate Muslims, to say that what ISIS is doing is terrible. They may talk to their uh, Christian and Jewish friends to say, wow, that is horrible. We've got to stop that. But I mean publicly. I mean going out there on the news shows, uh, on the radio, um, on the streets, on the street, uh, going out there in a demonstration saying, ISIS, you are not us. We condemn you, point blank. We, sh we are with our, bro our Christian brothers and our Jewish brothers in our unified love of God, and you are not acting in any godlike manner whatsoever. We condemn you thoroughly. May you rot in hell, all of you. That's what they should be saying. That's a, that's a truly great uh, Muslim. That would be a wonderful thing. But you're not seeing that. You do hear, there's a, I think I heard one uh, Muslim on um, uh, some talk show who's going around the circuit, and he's an incredibly brave man. Uh, and he's saying this is ridiculous, and this is horrible, and, and, it's, and he loves Israel, and you know, he embraces. But, but he makes it very clear that this is contemptible. But he's a unique feature. He's a unique man. And all you can think of when you're hearing this man on the radio and otherwise is, wow, what a brave man. What a brave, brave soul. And you know what? He is. Because he's basically painting a, a target on his, on his stomach and yeah, his back. He's on, he's on lists. He's on many lists right now. Whereas if, if uh, some horrific thing happened by a Jew and you're a rabbi, let's say, or anybody of, of, of Jewish noteworthiness, and you go out and you say, I, can, I condemn this mother effer for the horrific stuff he did, what a bastard he is. I spit on him. This is not the Jewish way, and anyone who thinks that is an idiot. And, I, and may he rot in hell. No one would ever think that you're in danger for your life by fellow Jews, for example, right? Okay, same thing with Christians. That's the way it is. That is exactly the way it is. Anyway, I, this is, a, I, I guess going back to, um, to, to everything we're talking about, the 99.99% and, and what Obama had said, he just pulled it right out of his you-know-what, okay? And he wants so badly to believe what he does believe. He has this affinity for Islam that is truly dangerous. And you know, we all have affinities for things and groups of people that, we're, that we don't belong to, right? I'll, I'll give you an example, speaking of my own particular affinity for a particular faith. I love Christians. You know I love Christians. I thank God every day that we have Christians. Christians are a blessing unto the world. Uh, may they multiply in wondrous millions of numbers. May they spread the word of the gospel to everyone. Okay? Convert more and more people. Now, I, I'm not going to convert because I, I love being Jewish and I, I think that that's my faith. And I wish we Jews would convert as well. But we're, we're too small in number. We can't do the numbers. We love Christians. Please go ahead and, and convert, convert away. But I have a special affinity, even, even more so, for Mormons, those who belong to the Church of the Latter-day Saints, LDS as they call them. And why? 
Well, frankly, I, I just bumped into many people, many Mormons when I was at Stanford, and I just got to liking them. They just, I like their work ethic. I like their family ethic. I like their values. There's something about it just, you know, I made an association, right, with a couple of good Mormons, and I just thought, these guys are cool. And I, I asked them a little bit about their faith. I, I learned about the bishops and the whole ward system that they have and their, their good deeds and their good works and their charitable notion. Very impressive. And how they don't, they don't drink, they don't smoke, of course, they don't even have coffee. I got to respect that. I think that's awesome. And I think we all could learn from the Mormons. I ha so I have a special affinity. I don't, I don't subscribe to the theology, of course. But I really like them. And so why do I bring this up? Because if a Mormon did something horrible, okay, went to a bank and started killing people or stealing, and I would say, well, that's an exception. Those Mormons are pretty cool, and that's just some nut. And then let's say eh, 10, people, 10 Mormons did something like that. I would still find a, a reason to say that they are not representative of Mormonism. A hundred people. I would still say they're not representative of Mormonism. But now, now there are suddenly 20% of all Mormons. <laughs> I, I would say, ah, gosh, that's a little odd. I, this is a little bit troubling, but uh, I, I don't want to believe it. So there's something, I, I, I will make a, excuses for why those 20% are not representative of the Mormons. Now we get to 50%, 60%. It doesn't, at some point, my original affinity, it's so in the mother's milk that even though I, I, I'm not Mormon myself, I would still kind of go kicking and screaming mentally, intellectually, before I would say there's something wrong with Mormonism. But, and even our Mormon listeners, and there, there, we have a few, by the way, uh, and, and would say, yeah, you know, if it got to that point where 60, 80% of us were doing horrible things like that, you, you would rightfully question the integrity of our faith. You would say there's something amiss here, especially if the underlying Book of Mormon uh, advocated violence and all sorts of deceptive behavior, right? Then you would, then you would say, well, wow, you're, you're actually living consistently with that, you know, this fantastical version of Book of Mormon that I'm just talking about. Then you would argue, yeah, that, that they would, even they would understand that. And then you would also base your judgment on the conduct of the other Mormons vis-a-vis -vis how they reacted to the atrocity. I would. That's exactly right. So even if one Mormon did this, if no other Mormons condemned it, that would make you question it. If, if 10,000 Mormons did this and the rest of the population condemned it, that would be less disconcerting to you than if one did this and none condemned it. Correct. You got it exactly right. I mean, think, I, not to put you on the spot, but is there a group that you have a similar affinity toward that you would, uh, that you're not a part of? But I mean, because we're we're both Jewish, for example. But uh, I guess you could say, speaking uh, kind of globally about Christians, I'm sure you would feel the same way. Uh, but there's there's got to be that group that we all have, and that we would just be very disappointed. Gosh, if if I found that out about them, and and anyway, so feel free to jump in if, about that one if you have a particular affinity. But in the meantime, I'll talk about Obama, because I think Obama, accepting his own version of his own history and who he is, um, that he's, you know, a Christian, 
and that he's not Muslim. It just has an affinity well, I think for, for Islam. I, you told me to jump in. I'm yeah, really trying not to interrupt you, but I have to interrupt this on, yeah. the, on the Christian claim thing. Yeah. And I'm not disputing Obama's Christianity, but there is an important detail of his Christianity that must be mentioned. Mm. The church he went to was Reverend Wright's church, where Father Flager spoke, where there are strong connections to Louis Farrakhan, who... Wall is the head of the Nation of Islam. I have no problem with Louis Farrakhan's Nation of Islam. I have a problem with things Louis Farrakhan says and those who uh, associate with him. So it's clear to me that based on the particular congregation that Barack Hussein Obama spent 20 years sleeping in the pews of, it's a very... Uh, let's use the word exceptional example of Christian faith in America okay, that's that fair. has some really questionable things. Well, I'll use the word wrong with it. Right. Never, never mention. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll shoot. We'll refer to Wrightian Christianity. Wrightian Christianity, <laughs> Wrightian. or more specifically, uh, what does they call uh, Farrakhanian no, Christianity? Not, uh, well, Farrakhan's the Muslim. They call that. Um, uh, what's the word? Um, I'll think of it in a minute. Just keep talking, and I'll jump yeah, in. Yeah, okay, that's you. fine. But, well, but you know, uh, black, black liberation theology. That's what it is, yeah. Which is that specific hybridization of Christian ritual with an overlay of critical race theory. So you're saying that he's as Christian as Olive Garden is Italian. Let's put, there's, yes, yes, that's okay. perfect, but yeah. even one more step in this direction, just to give an example of how any... <laughs> not, to, not to mock too much the Olive Garden aficionados the out there. The sticks are delicious, but <laughs> Nap from Na Na Napoli, it is not. Right. Neapolitan, it is not. Um, a few years ago, uh, a guy who wanted to smoke pot uh, named Craig X, I believe, Craig X Rubin or something, started the 420 Church under the idea that he could smoke all the pot he wanted because it was a religious thing, right? Right. So he creates this religious organization called this church and then says, see, I'm religious. Now, no one in his right mind would, observing this would say, well, that's real Christianity and you're not just using an excuse to smoke pot. All right. Let's get back to where but, we were. But the point I understand. is... That, I, I understand. I understand. Yes. The, 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 uh, you're saying that he's Christian at the most nominal way you can imagine is what you're saying. And I, I understand that. Yeah, just calling it Christian. I understand. And I, I, I'm glad you brought it up, but at the same time, it's not really where I want to go. Because let's assume even for the sake of discussion that he is a Christian Christian, um, but you know, that he was a Catholic for that matter. But if, if he were a Catholic in that sense, he, he never went to church. He barely ever goes to church. He, he, he was just born that way. Okay, so let's just let's take it from that because I don't really want to drill down onto his particular brand of Christianity because that's not really the point. The point is that he uh, seems to just, whatever his brand is, he, he, forget about the fact that it was distorted. That just amplifies the problem. It's that he ignores and disses his own Christianity, and we'll be talking about that in a moment as well, and has this tremendous affinity toward Islam. And that we are seeing manifest over and over again. His, uh, it's like two women, you know, you're, you're, you know what's it? If, if Christianity is his wife, Islam is his mistress. How about that? I think that that explains it very fully, in the sense that he 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 may be legally obligated to his wife, maybe even be required to show a little bit of love from time to time, and you know, 
pay the bills with his wife and otherwise show up to functions with his wife, but it's real love, that's Islam. That's where he really wants to be. And he's showing this to us time and time again. Little hints and sometimes not so, not so hinty. It's actually very direct. The statements, like I said, in 2012. And then they're 99.99. He's such, a, he's such a defender of the faith of Islam. Not Christianity, Islam. Now, in today's National Prayer Breakfast, speaking about defender of the faith, he seemed to go out of his way, and I, I'm not going to even quote it deeply. I recommend highly that you check out his, the, a YouTube video or otherwise about what he said during today's National Prayer Breakfast in D.C. And what you will hear is a president speaking somewhat fondly of Islam, but more significantly, dissing Christianity. And worse yet, saying that Christianity has just as much of the foibles and weaknesses of Islam. He wants you to think that Christianity and Islam, same thing, same issues. And what does he do? He, what, what's his evidence for this? Well, you guessed it, that uh, there was the Inquisition, don't you know? There was uh, the Crusades, don't you know? And then, of course, uh, there was slavery. He, he made, made reference to slavery, that, that somehow slavery was justified by way of Christianity. Never mind that he's wrong on all fronts, right? Like, totally wrong. I mean, as much as the Inquisition was painful and difficult and, and people died in the process, the numbers were nowhere close to the staggering numbers of what Islam is wreaking upon the world. Okay? And, and it's doing in the name of Islam. Inquisition was not doing this in the name of, of Christianity. It was doing in the name of power, of the queen. The pope wasn't behind it. Likewise, in the Crusades, bad things happened during the Crusades, but not because of Christianity. Bad things happened in the same way that some American soldiers during World War II did some inappropriate things, including rape. Does that mean that America as a country is a bad country? No, it means that those individuals are bad people. And in that case, you really can talk about the 99.99%. Okay? But it wasn't as if like 20% of, of the American army was raping and pillaging. All right? It just wasn't, it wasn't happening. With 80% of the army either laughing about it, cheering them on, or, or being silent yeah. about the atrocity. Good, good point. You're exactly right. It's not like that whatsoever. So, and then it's the slavery comment is even the more bizarre one, that somehow Christianity compels slavery. Uh, Okay, I'm sure that some of the slave owners, you know, convinced themselves that this would be okay. Uh, but that doesn't make a Christian. And they never, it's not as if I, you can find a lot of books saying that, that Jesus wants slaves. I mean, I, you know, in fact, I defy you to find me any Southerner uh, that owns slaves or otherwise that, that said that uh, Christianity, uh, that they found a passage of religious basis to find that slavery uh, was required in our Christianity. What nonsense. Uh, sir? It's almost like citing Moses as the justification for slavery. Yeah, it's you might as well. Why not? Why the not? guy who liberated the slaves of ancient point, Egypt in Scripture yeah. is the guy who tells you people should be slaves. Right. And never mind the fact that slavery, at least in America, was abolished as a result of the Christians, the Christians right? They were the ones who abolished slavery. <laughs> so let me get this straight. So you're saying to me, on the one hand, Christians are the one, you know, use Christianity to, um, to embrace slavery and to compel slavery into, into this nation. And then also Christians 
Christians also the ones using uh, to, to to destroy slavery. He's which is say, He's basically said today, those who retained slavery were citing it in scripture. Right. But those who abolished slavery were going away from their scripture. Yes, yes, that's right. Because he, he must be saying that. So, 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 yes. so this is this is his argument. It was such a disrespect. It was he wanted to make it clear that you guys, you're not so high and mighty. Don't get on your high horse. He actually said that said at that. one point. Uh, you know, your your, uh, your your temple isn't so clean, as it were. Um, and who are you to talk, right? That's the gist you get out of this thing. And out of the whole thing, what I get is the tone of apologetics for Islam. He's bending over backwards to show that Islam is just like you and me, just like you and me. And whatever violence you're seeing among the Muslims, well, by golly, it happened just as frequently and just as powerfully among the Christians. But let's put aside the fact, one glaring elephant in the room, and that is, even if, you, even if you say that there was violence by the Christians in the name of Christianity, and which, of course, like we just said, is wildly off the mark, but even if you did, his citations are for things that happened 500 and 1,000 years ago. My friends, that is the ultimate violation of the statute of limitations. All right, I'm a lawyer. There's a statute of limitations, and there's a reason why we have it. Our wives don't even bring up stuff that far back when they're angry at us. <laughs> That's right. Oh, man, although about 450 years ago, my wife did say I did something, but I'm waiting for another 50 years, and I'll be good. <laughs> and then I'll say, sweetie, it's the 500th year after that. I, I told you I would, I've not put on, I, I, I've, I've put on the cap on the toothpaste ever since then. All right. <laughs> enough is enough. It's in 500 years. <laughs> you get the idea. So, but, but, but what's, what we're seeing in Islam, my friends, is happening now. Right now. Now's the time to deal with it. We, we don't have time to, to be able to say, oh, well, you're just going through your phase. I mean, you know, it, I, I think he thinks of it like, you know, hey, you were a teenager. You were a bratty teenager once. You know, they're just going through their teenager phase, Right. They're wild and crazy right now. So who are you, really? Do you remember what it's like, you know, Mr. Lurie? Yeah, because I'm 51 now. Don't you remember when, when you were 15, all the crazy things you did? Huh? Come on. You remember? Firecrackers and maybe you smoked a little, you know, weed here and there. I, did, I didn't do that very much, by the way. But nevertheless, you know, you got yourself in trouble. You got a little bit drunk, uh, you know. Hmm. You caroused around the town with a couple of girls. Uh... It's not the same, okay? It's just not the same. My goodness. I mean, this man, he's so frustrated because he thinks, the worst part of it is he thinks he can fool you. That's what it is. And I don't mean to date this podcast because we try to, on the Barack Lurie Show, keep subjects that are evergreen. Right. But the timing is important. The National Prayer Breakfast is today, February 5th. Yesterday, February 4th, ISIS released the video showing them turn a Jordanian pilot into the human torch. Ah. You would think he would have a little bit of timing about the sensitivity of how that news has affected America the day before, before he would say this 24 hours later. All right, that's a brilliant point. That's exactly right. This is similar to, actually it's even worse than the previous beheading of the, the American prisoner, and then he goes to play golf, remember, after he speaks about it. And this is what I think about it, right? This is even worse. 
you know, where, where the whole nation of Jordan and for, for that matter, America is so insulted, so offended by what they've We're seen. Stunned the, yeah, by the, what we the, saw. The, the, the inhumanity involved, it was so in, it just so beyond the pale, we, we, it was not part of our imagination until we actually saw it on the screen, and it's, it's burned in my memory. God, you know, I, I can't, I can't help it now. But there it is. And then to say, hey, but we're all the same. Yeah. You know, you know, it's one thing if if Christians are also doing exactly at the same time, but but let's pretend just for the sake of discussion that the Inquisition and the Crusades both were happening today. Okay? Today. You know, obviously it wouldn't be knights and such like that. They would have guns. Over it. But doing the equivalent with modern-day weaponry and such. With the body armor and weaponry we see ISIS have. Modern right. exactly. stuff. Let's say exact same number of people being killed, exact same number. There would be no comparison. Let's you, you would have no ability to say what the Christians did is the same as what ISIS is now doing. And if those... Knights Templar or American troops like, say, Chris Kyle from American Sniper and soldiers of that kind of valor, and they were doing this, there'd be no honor among them, and America's Christian population would be marching on the Capitol daily condemning it. Yes, that's right. Daily. Exactly right. Yeah. Um, this is, uh, this is the, the better argument that Obama would have is to say, but he, he would dare not do it because he has to compare apples to apples, right? Religion to religion. The only thing that does correlate to all this is what the fascists did and what the communists have done, right? There you've got a decent comparison because you're talking about horrific things that the Nazis did, horrific things that the communists did, and the numbers are all geared up in a very similar way to what ISIS is trying to do. Okay, now ISIS may not have the, the machinery to do what the Nazis did, but boy, oh boy, they would do it. And they managed to, they're, they're engaging in a wholesale genocide and crucifixion of the Christians uh, in the Middle East. They, they're trying to wipe them all out. And then, of course, they're trying to wipe out everyone who doesn't think just like them anyway. A bizarre time. But that Obama will not compare it to. That's what he needs to compare it to. And that I would accept as a comparison. Because, first of all, it, it is a decent comparison, it's a godless comparison. And, and this is what I would ask Obama to do, and this is what I would, but he's not going to do because he can't disassociate him, himself from his great affinity that he always had for this Islamic faith. He wants to believe that it's peaceful. I, I, I believe that he wants to believe that. That I'm confident about. But he's getting smacked in the face with reality. That's his problem. And he's bending over backwards like, a, like, a, like the con men that sometimes fool my clients. And they sit to me, they sit with me, and they say, "But John, you know, the, in this case, the defendant to be, but but I, I believe he's he's a good man. I think he really does want to pay me back. I think he really is looking out for my interests. Look at his, look at this email." And I say to to her, you know, lady, why are you visiting with me then? I'm telling you, you've been conned. And these people just don't want to believe it. Maybe that's what's happening to Obama. We're, we're just going through a, a wild cognitive dissonance. A, a one man's cognitive dissonance of how to deal with the reality that he's now facing. He cannot square what he's seeing in the Middle East coming out and the horrors of the Middle East. What happened in, in, uh, with the Jordanian pilot just yesterday with what he wants to believe. My friends, 
A sad day indeed. A sad times indeed. I'm Brock Lurie. This has been the Brock Lurie Podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you real soon. Stop.